everybody, welcome back to Challenge the Call with Max and Avery. I'm your host, Max. Who's Avery? No, hey guys, I'm Avery. How are you? Avery's welcome back. in his uh, new Valentine's Day gift right there, so uh, pretty special. I didn't get anything, any new jerseys or anything like that, so uh, hint, hint. But anyway, we got an exciting episode for you guys because... Uh, the Super Bowl has finally happened. It has come to a close. Uh, who won? Who we both had super opposite takes. What I forget which one. I thought the Eagles, but wanted the Chiefs. You wanted the Eagles, but thought the Chiefs. And that is the reason I'm not wearing my Fly Eagles Fly shirt right now because the Chiefs lost. Unfor- or I mean, the Eagles lost. Repeat. Um, and. What a game, man. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed. I did bet on the Chiefs, like I mentioned. And Isaiah Pacheco, like, I thought he was going to win MVP because he had a pretty good game. And that would have pocketed me, like, $200 if Isaiah Pacheco would have won MVP. The, The past, like, I was looking at it, the past five or six years, though, MVP has always been a quarterback. It's been a quarterback every time. I feel like the most important uh, sport awards lately are quarterbacks. MVP is always a quarterback. Heisman is always a quarterback. Super Bowl MVP, always a quarterback. It's kind of like, guys, there's more important positions on the field than a quarterback. That's that's why I was talking uh, a few episodes back. I was That's why I was saying, are quarterbacks a little over-glorified? Like, do we put a little too much focus on these guys. Like they're obviously super important, but like not the only ones on the field. (laughs) Exactly. You know, like no disrespect to Patrick Mahomes. He played a great game, but he wasn't the best quarterback on that field. That Super Bowl. That was the losing quarterback in Jalen hurts. Like what? Oh my God. Speak on his like incredible performance. I don't know if this is more for Hertz or for the O-line, but every time they got into a sneak situation, just the Eagles, seeing their stats on the quarterback sneak are incredible. I forget the exact numbers, but they had only not gotten it like once or twice all season. So out of the whole season, I actually have the stats pulled up 31 out of 37. That is a 92% conversion rate. That's an A. That's an A. Like, that's insane to me. Like, ni- 92%? That's insane. Just like, every time every time we saw it come in, they'd line up for it, and you just watched that line bulldoze the defense, and Hurts would just be, like, right across with it. It was like, oh, my God. Well, and it's not even just, like, a fourth and one situation. They do it on fourth and three. That's how confident the Eagles are. They'll do it on fourth and three, fourth and two, fourth and one. They'll even do it on like a third and six to get a manageable like fourth down to do it again. Yeah. There, That's there is no me. other team out there that is doing a quarterback sneak on fourth and three. Like that is just no. like that is not an attempt that you make. And it's just like, well, and like when you got a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, like of course you're gonna do this, this guy squats 600 pounds, and you have like this ferocious offensive line with Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, like these guys, they were built to play football. 
Like, these guys were built to play football. And I just want to speak on Jalen Hurts' performance. 28 for, uh, 28 for 33, 304 yards, passing, one TD, and then uh, 13 for 72 yards and three rushing TDs. That's insane. That is like one of the biggest performance by a quarterback ever. And like now you got to start asking yourself, is Jalen Hurts a top five quarterback? Is he better than Josh Allen? Because like this performance in this year, like I'm starting to say Jalen Hurts might be better than Josh Allen. It'll be, it'll all come down to if he keeps producing like that, like if he keeps going and the Eagles keep consistently being relevant in the playoffs, keep, competing for the NFC chain, kind of like the chiefs have been the chiefs under Mahomes have always been at least in the AFC championship. If Jalen hurts is also there with the Eagles, then yeah, I, I think you do have to say, Hey, he's in the top five discussion. Like if he, if he does that three, four, five years in, and he's still getting them there and he's still running and, like passing successfully and all of this, even with ta- the team changing around him. And as we'll get to our other news, coaching staff around him, but he's definitely top five. If he carries through one season, I'm not going to say it, but yeah, two, three more. He's there. Which I, you know, I agree. And speaking back to last week's episode, I know we talked about the Super Bowl script, Right. And it was completely, it wasn't off, but it was off. Because, like, the one thing that I noticed is what I mentioned last week was kind of reverse roles. Like, the Eagles, uh, the Eagles jumped out to that 10-point lead at halftime. And, like, I was sitting there watching the Super Bowl. I'm like, they flipped the script. The Chiefs are going to win this game. Uh, What are your thought process on that? Because I, I knew the script was a bust right away because um, what was it? It was a decent amount off. Like no, no one, no one was ever up 10 0, were they? Like it was seven, no, but I think uh, the Eagles went into half up 10. Yeah, but that's not what the script had said. The script, True. the it was, yeah, the script was very off. It was at one point, like at halftime, is the closest it ever got in a way but it was reversed roles. Like it had the wrong teams with the wrong scores. And yeah, it was, it, it was right away. It was just like, no good. It was nope. <laughs> yep. Uh, like I said, someone was really good at editing, but yeah, speaking of that, like the Eagles, they were up uh, by 10 going into half. And like for a second there, I thought Philadelphia could have won this game very easily. Cause I, Casey- was, I was extremely concerned that Mahomes was going to be done uh, at the half. I was worried he wasn't coming back on the field. And I I wasn't necessarily worried, like, for the Chiefs' sake or anything, per se. I was just worried that this game was going to become unwatchable. Because if Mahomes was out, the Eagles would just keep trucking along with a higher and higher score. The Chiefs would maybe get a little bit more up on the board. But it's, the game would have gone to complete shit if that would have happened. Yeah, um, but, like, speaking of, like, Patrick's injury, right, I, second half, you couldn't tell he was hurt. You couldn't, I don't know what the heck they gave him, but I want some of that. 
Because, like, I don't know what they gave him, but, like, he played like a madman. And he looked zonked at the end of the game, so it had to be some hardcore drugs. Um, But just the way he played in the second half, the Chiefs scored on every series of the second half. The second half is, like, that's what won them. Like, like, they went out that second half, and they were like, hey, we need to get our stuff together and – show up in this game and they did like they like you said they scored on every single drive like that was absolutely insane but speaking to that i wanted to ask what's your opinions on that very last hold on um uh juju Juju, yeah yeah juju so yeah this uh, it was a very controversial hold but like playing it back like you can tell that he did grab the jersey um i think the refs got it right yeah and he he said it and like wasn't it uh chauncey gardner sounds right yeah yeah chauncey gardner yeah he admitted it and like the thing with this is you don't want like i mentioned i've been very anti-refs and like the way I speak and, but it was the right call at the right time. I hate it because it took the ball out of Jalen Hurts hands and how well he played. Like I wanted to see Jalen, especially rooting for the Eagles. I wanted Jalen to come out and see what he could do. Um, but the refs on the same play, Missed a hands to the face by the defensive end, which should have offset the play. Should have offset the play, and it should have been replay of bounds. So, like, if you're going to call that, you got to call all the penalties, especially when – so – That's that's my big thing, too, is it's not about – I know part of the argument is, like, oh, let them play, and part of the argument is, like, penalties, penalty, whatever, like, always call. But my big thing is just how's the game going? Like, how – like, is that – happening all game long and is it getting called all game long or has it been happening all game and you only called that last final one in that moment because to me it's about the consistency of the ref like we've had refs that are super touchy and call a bunch of penalties and so what do you have to do you have to clean up your game you have to play nice and clean and all that we've also had refs that don't call shit and what do you do when refs aren't calling shit well, you give you get a little more leeway to fight back with it, you know? Like, you get a little more like, oh, here's a little tug, here's a little grab, a little shove where it shouldn't be. And if they're not calling it all game, that's the green light to, you know, like just kind of find that point. Because if it's happening on both sides, you know, it's just evening out the game. But if the refs are going to let it happen all game long like that, and then in this last crucial game-defining moment be like, Nah, we're going to drop this flag. I don't agree with that. I don't either. And like like you said, they were playing the whole game. They were playing the whole game. They knew the rules. You can't switch up like that if you're a ref. And that's like the inconsistency that we have had with refs. So, I, like, I get it. Like, I am frustrated with it. And it ended on a penalty just like the Cincinnati game. Uh yeah, I mean, especially cheering for the Eagles. I went full Philly for this Super Bowl. 
I had my Eagle shirt. I was like, every time they made a play, it felt great. I know I was just mentioning this before we started recording that it feels good to cheer for a good team once in a while. And that's how I felt during the Super Bowl. Like, especially Jalen Hurts' dime to uh, A.J. Brown in the first quarter. Oh, my God. That was incredible. Incredible. Amazing plays that happened in that game. It. It was a good game. I I was just satisfied that 38-35, that's a Super Bowl game. Like that it like yep. real close, barely winning it, high scoring. That's the kind of Super Bowl I want to see. Halftime, 24-14, it's not really the Super Bowl I'm trying to watch. But it ended up okay. Um getting away from the game a little bit, what let's I want to talk about some other things with the whole Super Bowl event outside of the game itself. Starting with the halftime show. What what do you think of the halftime show? You know, I thought Rihanna did a great job. Like I thought, you know, the halftime show like um I know she got a little bit of backlash because it's not the Rihanna that they were expecting. But when you know you're carrying another human uh of course you can't dance and move around like you're supposed to and they they tried to compensate as much as they could with the amount of dancers around her like i thought that was kind of crazy just how many other people were around her and just like going at it it was i enjoyed it i thought it was really good too i was sitting there waiting for someone else to pop in you know how there's always a guest yeah. appearance or like a secondary like like boom kind of but well when she started Rihanna. playing like all in the lights I thought Kanye West was gonna pop out of like the uh, crowd and just like start singing with her or you know Jay Z like uh, because she's had a lot of hits with a lot of like great celebrities so I really thought you know at some point they were gonna pop out and be like ah here I am but yeah. the thing the thing is with Rihanna, like, she can do it all herself. She's a showstopper, man. Like, she is, like, the definition of R&B and pop. Like, when you think of pop, you can't not name her name. We talk about great quarterbacks and all-time greats all the time. And in the pop industry, in the R&B industry, that is Rihanna. She did do a fantastic job. And I just... I didn't even recognize or realize like some of the songs that were hurt. Like she started coming out with like different songs, started singing. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's Rihanna. Isn't it? Oh, this is another banger. Like, okay. Like, Oh, I love this song. I just each song she did one after another. I was, I was thinking to myself, Oh my gosh. I, I didn't even realize we were about to get some of this music. Like I love these songs. It, it reminds me of when Eminem performed a couple of years ago, uh, because like, yeah, that was another Super Bowl banger after banger after banger. You're like, oh, Eminem, and then, um, yeah, I think it was probably one of the best. I want to talk about the national anthem. Chris Stapleton, very known for singing long, long songs, and how in the world? When it comes to the national anthem, he sings the under. And the under was two minutes and five seconds. How in the world the singer of Tennessee Whiskey sings under two minutes and five seconds? I lost $10 on Chris Stapleton 
That was a terrible way to start the Super Bowl. Also, but I won my money back because Tails never fails, and I went with Tails during the coin toss. So that was pretty great. But Chris Stapleton, come on, man. Hey, like, I, get your face out. I appreciate it. I hate a long, drawn-out national anthem. Like, I want to I want to get it sung. I want to get it over with. I want to watch some football. I am glad he hit the under, and it was not this big, long, like, Okay, move it along. We got a game here. Watch, just yeah. Uh, but I do want to talk about one thing with the game, and it's one player, and it's Chad Henney announced his retirement. Big news: anything is possible. At thirty-six years old, is going to retire. I mean, not really big news, but it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder if during that halftime, did he? Did a part of him somewhere want to go in for a drive? Just like Mahomes' ankles acting up a little bit. He's getting a little treatment done. Just like the AFC Championship game, you have to wonder if there was a part of him that was hoping, hey, like, put put me out here just while just while Mahomes gets taken care of a little bit. Like, throw me in, let me have a drive. I'm gonna retire. Like, I wanna actually get in the game. See, you know, I think a little bit, but a little bit thinks, you know what? I let everybody know who I was in the AFC Championship, that I was a damn good backup for so many years. Like, you talk about, like, great backup quarterbacks, and Chad Henning's the definition of a great backup quarterback. And it's going to be weird. Like, changes happen all the time in the NFL, and... Patrick Mahomes, Henny has been that veteran presence since he was a rookie, and so he would be finishing with um, he would be finishing with an NFL NFL Super Bowl ring, and he did help get them there. Like that drive in the AFC Championship game, he did come out with a touchdown. So arguably, yep. he did play a big part in getting to that Super Bowl, and he has a ring despite not playing in the actual game itself he can still take that credit. So I want to shout out this stat, speaking of his rings. So Chad Henney is actually the quarterback that replaced Tom Brady when Tom Brady graduated at Michigan. So it went Tom Brady and then Chad Henney. So former Michigan quarterback Tom Brady and Chad Henney are retiring this offseason after a combined 38 seasons in the NFL – $372 million in contract earnings and nine Super Bowl wins. Brady has seven of those, and Henny has two as a backup. But uh, back in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, Michigan was in really good hands with two great quarterbacks. And just to speak, because Henny played 18 years, Brady played 23. But Henny played 18 years as a backup quarterback. That's how you do it. Like, the thing is, Henny did have his opportunity. He was the Miami Dolphins starting quarterback for three, four years. They decided to move on. Henny was a first-round pick also. Um, but it kind of paves the way for guys like Mitch Trubisky that, like, okay, yeah, man, you didn't pan out as a starter. But it doesn't mean you can't be a great backup. And you can't have a successful NFL career. Because look at Chad Henney. Didn't pan out as a first-round pick. Okay. Didn't pan out as a starter. But he went on to be the Chiefs' backup for 10 years. And he won two rings. And he helped them out. I think that's incredible. 
Definitely. And it, it just kind of depends on your interests a little bit. Like some guys, you know, they're not necessarily interested in just being a backup in the NFL. Like, that's great. Like, like Mitch Trubisky, I don't know how he would feel or anything about it, but some guys, that's just, that's not why they're there. Chad Henney obviously didn't care. Like he loved football. He just wanted to be around football, play football as long as he could. And he did that. But some of the, some of the guys I would question more if they're not, you know, starting somewhere, they're not sitting on a bench. They would probably retire and say, F it. For sure. Like, I don't see a Baker Mayfield being a backup for years. Um, But another player that is contemplating retirement is good old Jason Kelsey of the famous Kelsey bros. What do you think? He was like a a pioneer. When we talk about the quarterback sneaks, Center quarterback exchange. That's huge. That makes me kind of sad. Just, I don't know. Jason Kelsey, I don't know why he necessarily is wanting to retire now. I feel like he's still got some life left in him. Obviously, he's still doing great as a center. He's the best center in the league. Um, I mean, it. it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you want to, ideally in my head at least, you want to retire high. So, like, hey – and AFC or NFC champions, I can retire with that season. We may have lost in the Super Bowl, but you know what? It was damn close and whatever. I'm good with it. But at the same time, I feel like the Eagles, they're coming back, or I would think. You know, I think they could come back. I think they got enough potential to come back. Um, like we mentioned, we need to see Jalen Hurts come back to solidify his spot. And with a quarterback like Jalen, I think they always got a shot. Um, to go off of like kind of the aspect of why he could retire, I mean, his wife is 39 weeks pregnant. Um, he's He has two young kids at home. This will be the third kid. And a center, man, they get beat up. All the time. Like, as, like, a dad myself, and if I was in the NFL, like, at that point, I'd be like, I'm done. Like, 38 years old, or I think he's 35, but 35 years old, like, I can't do it anymore. Like, I, I want to be at home. I want to be with the family. And that's just, you know, we've seen other players like Tom Brady that, you know, that's not their mindset. They love football too much. But Jason Kelsey and the damage that being a center does to was- you. Oh, I was going to speak to the damage of not getting out early enough and being with your family yeah. as uh, Tom Brady no longer has a family, you know, but. So I, I, I don't know, but like you said, the Eagles coming back is going to be very, very hard when they lose two important coaching positions. Um. So Jonathan Gannon, their defensive coordinator, is accepting the head coaching position in Arizona. He never even made it back to Philly. They interviewed him, and they hired him the day after the Super Bowl. So the Super Bowl is in Arizona. He went there with one job, left with a better job. Um, And then Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator for Philly, is now the Indianapolis Colts head coach. So, like, when you lose two, like, pillars in your coaching staff like that, like, you know, there's going to be changes, and Philly might have a down year. I don't see them being, like, 
a terrible year, but I see them having a sort of a down year. It's hard when you lose major, major pieces in your coaching staff. Like even just losing one coordinator is obviously going to change things uh, immensely, but losing both your coordinators that that's going to take some adjustment. That's going to take, that's going to take a lot of working with, and the Eagles are going to have to really work hard to fill those roles and get back to where they were this year. I, I, I'm kind of with you. I think they have a little bit of a down year. I think they make the playoffs next year. I do. I think the pieces they have are too talented not to, but I don't know if they go to the championship per se. Yeah, I see them as a wild card because, you know, Dallas isn't going away. Dallas, uh, they're reloading. They're not losing many pieces. And Dallas was right on Philly's heels this year. And the Giants, like, like that whole division, like three out of the four teams and Washington was in contention to make the playoffs all the way up to week 17. Like they're one quarterback away. So like, you know, like that division, it's like beat up on everybody type of division. So I could see Philly coming in as a wild card team next year. I could see him making it to the divisional round. And, you know, I do see maybe a spot in the NFC championship, but I don't, at least next year, I don't see him in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it would be too difficult of a task, but getting into some of our other NFL news that we have, we'll move away from the Super Bowl now a bit, but what do you want to start with first? Justin Fields um, is going to be training with Rodgers. Is that what you said? Aaron Rodgers and Justin Fields. Is that a new friendship we have to deal with? So it um, on part of my take, uh, great podcast. Um, they were mentioning um, they had an interview with Justin Fields and they asked him what type of quarterbacks are they or what type of players do, does he reach out to? Who is he going to work out with in the off season? And actually our offensive coordinator, Luke Getze uh, gave him Rogers number and they're planning on working out this off season together and uh, learning tips. And Steve Young and Justin Fields are going to be with each other all off season. So, I um I love it but I hate it. Right? Cuz don't get me wrong. The reason I love it right here. I'll say it right now. This will be the only time I say it on our podcast. Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I hate it. I hate to say that, but he's terrorized Chicago so many years and if he can just give Justin some insight on like how to read coverages better, how to get better uh, pocket presence, like and you know just kind of teach him the game aspect and like the calls that Rogers is famous for at the line of scrimmage. Like if you can just get him that aspect, and then he can get the aspect of how to be a mobile quarterback and be a Hall of Fame mobile quarterback like Steve Young was with the Forty ers and you can combine those together. I think it shows a lot of maturity from Justin Fields reaching out to these two type of guys and say, well, Justin is all about like, he wants so badly to improve. He, he did it all last off season. He just, we know how hard he works, how good he wants to be and his like ambitions as an NFL quarterback. The only thing with him training with Rogers that I'm like, 
a little up in the air. I'm the same way with you. I'm like, yeah, great. Rodgers is a good quarterback. If he can help Fields out with being an NFL Hall of Fame quarterback, I am all for it. The only thing is Rodgers lately is, I don't know, on a certain trend, doing these, what, darkness retreats, doing ayahuasca and shit. I'm like, I don't. I don't necessarily want that aspect to carry over into Fields. And I don't think it will because uh, Fields is a very level-headed guy. I think he'll take everything that Rodgers throws at him with a grain of salt, which I'm good with. And But I really hope he focuses on the fo- uh, football aspect of things because, like um, – I like I said, I hate to say it, Rogers. He beat us up for the last fifteen years of our life, and if Rogers can help out Fields and we can beat the Packers up for fifteen years in our life, I'll reciprocate the. If Justin, if I was Justin Fields, I'll help out the Packers quarterback in fifteen years. That's a rookie, you know, because like, and it just shows the maturity on both sides that they're willing to put like a rivalry behind them to get better at their own craft. Um, by the time you're in the NFL, even when you have rivalries and stuff, it's just, you're all just, you're employees almost like, you know, you're employees in the NFL. You all work for the same overarching company, kind of like, you're all just doing what you love, getting paid to play. It's some guys dislike each other. And there are certain types of guys that certain other guys or certain other teams, they just butt heads and they do not get along. But for the most part, players don't have like issues with each other like this, you know, obviously the rivalries are fun and they support them and they want to like beat their rivals every time because who doesn't, but it's not like they truly hate each other at all. Like kind of like St. Brown moving from the Packers to the bears, like, he wasn't hated when he came to the Bears just because he was a Packer for so long. Like, you know, right. like they're all just players. They're all in this It's game, a business. Working together. Yeah. Um, the one thing I did really enjoy from the interview is that uh, they said, are you a bear? Like, And he's like, I'm always going to be a bear. I'm a bear for life. Yeah. And, like, write that. Those are big words because, like, Every Chicago Bears fan that has been through quarterback torture are literally, like, looking at Justin Fields as, like, the savior of the Chicago Bears. And I love that because, like, it feels so good to see a guy that works so hard be your quarterback because we haven't had that guy. At least in our lifetime, we have not had that type of guy. So I really enjoy that. The one thing I do not like from that is that he said he prefers the Bears to play in a dome that, you know, the cold weather and the wind really uh, affects him at some points. Which makes and, sense because he's he's a southern kind of guy. Like, he's he's from Georgia. He's used to playing in the nice weather and all that. But thankfully, that dome might be coming to the Bears. They officially purchased that property in our in the Arlington Heights, right? Like they're, they're they uh yeah. Um I mean they purchased the property I think it was like two days ago. So 
that's big signs that Chicago is moving. They haven't came out and officially stamped. We're breaking ground. We're moving out to Arlington Heights. But why else would the Chicago Bears purchase 380 acres of land? For real. Like, like, I'm, I'm not buying a house somewhere in Florida being like, no, I'm, I'm going to keep living here. No, I'm staying in Iowa. I just bought a house in Florida. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, so we are officially going to move out of Chicago, which uh, the Bears haven't been out of Chicago since 1920. Um, it's going to be a different look. Uh, the Bears in a dome doesn't sit well with me. We are the monsters of the midway. We've always been known as like a defensive battle team. But in the NFL, you can't be that anymore. You you can't be that anymore. And I, what does that have to do with a dome? Like you it doesn't. Be, you can be the monsters of the wind day. You midway. You can have a badass defense and fuck other teams up inside of a dome. Like I, what does what does a dome have to do with anything? I just like uh, when we have bad weather games, like we've had all year last year. I felt like. We always come out on top. We beat the Super Bowl champs. We have typically been successful in our bad weather games. That was one of our only two, three wins yeah. that we had this year was because of a bad weather game. But still, bad weather games are just like – I like the dome aspect. I like, I like a team being able to compete their all or compete their best – against another team being able to compete their bed. I don't want the Bears to have all their success because of the circumstances. I want them to be able to say, we beat you. We are better than you. Nothing was holding you back. We are just good. Yeah, I I agree. Um, the one other thing with this is that Chicago might lose its trademark. I know that the mayor of Chicago came out and said that if the Bears do move to Arlington Heights, this was also a couple of months ago, uh, that if the Bears do move to uh, Arlington Heights, we are thinking about let, not letting Chicago, you, the Bears use the name Chicago. And that brings up a weird aspect, because what would we be? We would not be the Arlington Heights Bears. No. We wouldn't be the Illinois Bears. Ugh, I I don't like it. Yeah, that so, that aspect I definitely am not a fan of. Like, we need to be the Chicago Bears. I don't care if they're in Chicago. They don't need to be downtown Chicago to be the Chicago Bears. There's plenty of other teams that are outside of the actual like major city limits. But, like we don't we don't call the San Francisco 49ers the Santa Clara 49ers. Or we don't call the Las Vegas Raiders the Paradise Raiders. We don't. Like, it is literally, or the Dallas Cowboys, Fort Worth Cowboys. Like, there are so many teams that moved out of their original cities just because there's better opportunity, more land, and it just makes more sense. They can expand, they can build headquarters. The uh, players can play there. Like, Arlington Heights is a suburb of Chicago. So what? So what? Yeah. I, I, I don't get it. Def don't get definitely. It. I I think that's dumb. I Hopefully, that will somehow get outruled 
or over to, or hopefully the Chicago Bears will still forever and always be the Chicago Bears. But ah, man, I'm I I love this move. I love the move for them. Like you said, more space. They could have an indoor. If they have an indoor, the Big Ten Commission is like right there. The Big Ten Championship game is going to be played in Arlington Heights on Chicago's. Yep. Like that's like that is what we're going to see in the future if we do this move with the Bears. Yep, I agree. A hundred percent. I mean, so we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, there's other Bears news. Uh, the Bears release Alquad and Muhammad. I mean, he didn't perform for us this year. It was a one-year prove-it deal, and he didn't perform. So, goodbye. The only that disappoints me a little bit is just because he came with Eberflus. I was kind of yeah. like, oh, cool, yeah, Eberflus is bringing one of his guys over. And, well, one of them had – well, I don't even know if you could say Eberflus had a good year, but one of them's leaving and one of them's not. So. Yeah. And, you know, it's heartbreaking because I had high hopes for him. Thought he could replace, not replace fully, but fill the role of Khalil Mack. And he definitely was not able to do that. So let bygones be bygones. Go find a new team. Uh, There's some other NFL news not relating the Chicago Bears. And it's just rumor mill right now, but Derek Carr visits the New York Jets. I think that's a great spot for him if he did sign. Great defense, uh, gr- great running game, and Brees Hall will be back. Uh, great young receivers. I, I think, think it would be great. I think that'd be a decent spot for him. He obviously is just not having success with the Raiders. I mean, give give him everything you want. Like he has Josh Jacobs, he has Devontae Adams, and just they're they're not working out. It's not clicking. The Jets are in dire need of a quarterback because Zach Wilson is just kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> and so I, he could really, he could go to the Jets who that's their only last final piece and they can survive not having like the quarterback carry the team. They're, they're the kind of team right now that the team can help cover up slash carry the quarterback, not vice versa. That's why I think that'd be a decent spot for him to go. And I still think he's a top 12 quarterback in the league. I think he bounces from 9 through 12. Like, some weeks he's in the top 10, some weeks he's not. I think Derek Carr would be a great spot in New York because I think that automatically puts him in contention of being a wild card team next year with that defense. Uh, other big news, Eric Bieniemy the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs, is making a lateral move to the Commanders? You just won a Super Bowl. Why are you making a lateral move to the Commanders? Does not make sense. To not stand in Andy Reid's shadow. And I think that's what it is, because uh, the enemy's been up for multiple coaching jobs in the last three or four years, head coaching jobs, and he hasn't gotten any of them because he's in Andy Reid's shadow. So I think, you know, the commanders, like we mentioned earlier in the episode, that's a good spot because they were in contention in the NFC East of making the playoffs. They're one quarterback away. He figures out that quarterback situation. Ron Rivera's getting to retirement age. We're looking at Eric Bieniemy being the head coach of the Washington Commanders in a couple of years. But the bigger news with this 
filling his spot with the Chiefs, our good old pal, Matt Nagy. How's that one going to go over for the Chiefs? They are Is Patrick Mahomes going to still be carrying them to uh, AFC championships every year, or is that going to go away? So let's take this all the way back before Matt Nagy was the head coach of the Chicago Bears, right? Some coaches are just better coordinators than they are head coaches. Uh, it's a proven aspect. There are some damn good co- head coaches. I mean, damn good coordinators that never pan out as head coaches in the NFL. Matt Nagy was a damn good offensive coordinator for the Chiefs under Alex Smith. And they led the Chiefs to an AFC championship game and multiple playoff bursts with Alex Smith. Yeah, Andy Reid was shadow, as we mentioned, with Eric Bieniemy. Um But I don't think they skip a beat. I mean, that Chiefs team is just built built to succeed. Andy Reid's really planted uh, things. The one thing I'm more curious about, what happens in two to three years when Andy Reid decides to hang it up and they promote from within, is Nagy head coach? Yeah, that's going to be the issue. Like, Nagy, as an offensive coordinator with the Chiefs, probably the best spot for him to be. You have Patrick Mahomes, you have Andy Reid, Honestly, your job is irrelevant. Anyone could come in and do it. (laughs) I could go in and be the offensive coordinator underneath Andy Reid and have (laughs) Patrick Mahomes as my quarterback, and I could get to a championship. That's just facts. But when Andy Reid does leave, I don't know. I, I would question the Chiefs making that decision to promote Nagy over finding somebody else or maybe promoting from the defensive side just because Nagy has been a head coach before and did not work out so well before. Well, and that's the other thing you uh, mentioned, promoting from the defensive side. Steve Spagolia, the defensive coordinator for Kansas City, he's done a great job since he came over. He's also a failed head coach. He uh, coached the New York Giants back in 2015, Um, and he was a one-year failed head coach. They fired him after one year. So like, if you're looking at my coaching staff and Andy Reid's two years from now, and both those guys are still there, I'm taking the guy with four years of experience in Chicago that did win a rookie, uh, head, uh, coach of the year in 2018. Like, I mean, like Nagy does have the better resume out of the two. Um, I hate it as a Bears fan because if Nagy gets drug along and is like a successful head coach because of Patrick Mahomes, I don't know what I'll do because Patrick Mahomes, Mitch Trubisky, and Matt Nagy are all merged together in this nice little tight bubble, and I will literally freak out. It would be but, it would be infuriating on some level to watch him be a successful head coach. Like really now. Now you're going to decide to just do good, break out, whatever. You couldn't have done this, you know, in Chicago, but whatever. It would be a great uh, Super Bowl line, uh, Super Bowl script in like four or five years. If uh, he's the head coach, Mahomes in the Super Bowl, Chiefs in the Super Bowl, Justin Fields in the Super Bowl. That would be a great Super Bowl like script. So come on, NFL. Let's get that written down for 2028. I think that would be perfect. 
Chicago Bears, Justin Fields against Na- – oh, and you know what would be even better? The Chiefs are looking for a backup quarterback. You might as well bring in Mitch Trubisky as your backup to Patrick Mahomes and make this Super Bowl right. Yeah. Okay. Um, now back to reality here. Um, XFL is about to start. NFL is now officially over. Super Bowl's concluded. We'll still give updates on movements and stuff that's going to be happening. But uh, XFL, can't say I'll watch it. Uh, college basketball is going to be going on still. So as much as I would still like to consume some football and all that jazz, I just, my attention's going to be too drawn away by basketball. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to watch it. I, I don't know. I mean, so it's going to be the Vegas Vipers versus, uh, Arlington Renegades. Those are some weird, exciting names. Uh, first game is on Saturday, February 18th, uh, at three o'clock tomorrow. Um, if this comes out later today, um, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be on ESPN. So tune in guys. I, I don't know if you guys will, but tune in. Yeah. If, Hey, if you want to keep watching some football, you want to kind of see what happens. XFL, you've got a little bit of football there for you, but moving on, we will talk some college basketball now. I will get us rolling with Iowa here. Iowa played at Minnesota. Not a great team, but not a great game all around. Iowa won 68-56. Not quite the knock your socks off we were hoping for. Um, Iowa makes me a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. We've got some good, good players. We've had some good wins. We've beaten two or three different ranked teams, but we've had some terrible losses or even just some close games that shouldn't have been all so close thankfully they did it a little bit better the week after uh they played ohio state at home uh that was actually last night to us recording right now so that was cool i was really really wanting them to break 100 points i am waiting for the day that iowa breaks 100 points again they were so close 92 to 75. It was a little close in the second half for me. I was starting to get worried they were going to let Ohio State win again. Even though Ohio State's like, I don't know what they are in conference now. 3-11, and 4-10, and 10, some, something like that. They're not good. They are bad. But thankfully, second half, we started to pull ahead that lead. Unfortunately, we pulled ahead a little too much and sat our starters for a minute which is why we didn't get to 100. But I also don't really know if I can say that because we only played our two freshman guys, uh, Bo and Dix. We played them for like a minute, maybe. Ohio State started to like get within reach a little bit again, and Fran McCaffrey was like, okay, nope, get out. Connor, Chris, get back in there. Like we're, we're not giving this thing up because we're sitting too many times. He was like, nope, get the hell out. So... That was kind of fun. I I don't know if that's more concerning to me, like looking into the future, like, oh, great. We threw our backups in and it started going to shit. But at the same time, I've seen Dix and Bo, I've seen them play in separately and mix in the rotation a little bit and they're fine. They'll be solid. I was a developmental program. They're freshmen. They'll get there. We'll be good. But upcoming 
we have Northwestern. This game makes me really nervous. Even, we did beat them the first time. We've already beat Northwestern once. But Northwestern also just beat Purdue. Number one, Purdue, 64 to 58. That is the first time Northwestern has ever beaten the number one ranked team. And I, I'm nervous to play them. They, they look really good. They looked hot. We've looked hot in some games too. We've looked not so hot in others. So I, I really don't know what to expect. I'm really, really hoping for the best. Because so far, we have beaten every team that's beat Purdue. Including Maryland, who also just beat Purdue. I think they were still ranked number one. They are number three now after, you know, this law. But Purdue's lost to Rutgers, Maryland, and Northwestern. We've beaten all those teams. Rutgers we beat twice. Maryland we beat 81 to 60-something. We beat Northwestern once, and now is Northwestern's rematch with us. So that's where I'm very on edge there with do we pull this one off or do we give it up? And it's being played at Northwestern, too. So it's an away game. That's a road game in that kind of a setting. That's that's going to be a bit of a tough one. Do you have any thoughts on uh, Iowa season as of right now or anything about the games that just happened? Yeah, so uh, I watched the Iowa-Minnesota game, um, and <clears throat> it was way too close. I, I don't know what we were doing out there, um, but what I want to talk about is, like, I think we're going to beat Northwestern because, like, I think that was their, I don't want to say Super Bowl, but, like, that was their, like, big aha game. And Iowa still hasn't had that big aha game. You could mention the Iowa State game earlier in the year, but Iowa State wasn't even ranked yet. I don't believe they were ranked, or they were barely ranked. So I, I, I think, I think they were in the low twenties. Okay, so yeah, but like you could say that was like the aha game, but I do think Iowa is moving in the right direction, and if we pull this off, we're on a three-game win streak right at the perfect time of the year. Uh, I did see some odds that came out that Iowa to win the whole uh, national championship is plus 8,000 right now. Uh, so uh, plus 8,000 odds for Iowa to win it all. So uh, put your money. I love right Iowa, here. but they're not going to win it all. They, I mean, they did lose to Purdue already. We could beat them still. We could meet them in the tournament and we could beat them. Like I said, we've beaten every other team that's beaten them. We were doing some things right against them. But the the number of losses we've had, especially to the teams that we should not have lost to, we don't go all the way. Do we win the Big Ten tournament? Maybe. Strong maybe from me. I think we could pull it off. I'm not the utmost hopeful, but I think we could reasonably do it. The whole tournament? No. <laughs> Well, I mean, hey, plus 8,000, that's pretty damn good odds. What is that? Put $1 on that, that comes out to 800 bucks? Something no, like it comes up to 80, 80, 80, 80 bucks. 80 bucks. But hey, you know, put $10, that's 800 bucks. And you will lose I, I think, $10. <laughs> uh, you will probably lose your $10, but hey, a man can hope. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, as the season progresses, I think we're going to get stronger and stronger. We're a second-half team, and we've always been a second-half team since I've been watching 
Iowa basketball. Second half of the season, Iowa turns it up, and uh, that's kind of what we have done since that Illinois game a couple weeks back. So, um, yeah, one bad loss to Purdue, but here we are. Or if we beat Northwest, we're on a three-game win streak. So that'll be exciting. Um, that's all I really got on Iowa. Move us along into NBA. Well, here, I'll start with NBA. So Sacramento Kings, still number three in the West. They played the Baver- Mavericks on back-to-back nights. Lost one, won one. I still have not watched NBA. I think it's so dumb. They play way too often. <laughs> and the same team. The same team, back-to-back nights. Why? Just, I'm going to start watching in April, so. Okay, well, uh, thanks for that Kings introduction. I can tell you're a big Kings fan. Uh, go, go Keegan Murray. I'm a, let me put it this way. I'm a Keegan Murray fan. I, I don't even care that much about the Kings. He's actually, he's actually fourth place in the Rookie of the Year votes right now, uh, unfortunately. So I hopefully he can move up. Because I just, one of the things I love about – just keeping track of the Kings a little bit is the fact that before Keegan Murray, they sucked. They were not a good team. They were just like out of question. Well, and he plays valuable minutes. He plays a lot of valuable minutes. He plays a lot. Like he comes in and now they're number three in the West. Like, like that's Keegan Murray. King Keegan Murray brought the Kings from here to there. That's why I'm a Kings fan. It's all Murray. If, if Murray gets traded, my fandom gets traded. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wise words of Max. Um, so speaking of my bucks that I actually been following a lot lately is um, we played the Los Angeles Lakers right after LeBron's uh, all-time scoring record that he broke. Um, LeBron, unfortunately, did not play this game because he had ankle soreness right after that, and he actually sat out for three games after that. So you got to love LeBron James. But the Bucks ended up pulling this off, 38. Uh, uh, it was 115 to 106. Um, uh, Giannis was our leading scorer once again. Um, and then the Bucks ended up playing the Clippers the night after, and we demolished that game. Score was a little closer than it was. It was 119 to 106, but a phenomenal game all around. Uh, one player I want to key on is Brook Lopez. He's kind of been stepping up for us, uh, and he's going to need to step up a lot because against uh, the Celtics, Giannis sprained his right wrist, projected out three weeks. We have one week because of the All-Star break. Uh, We did beat the Celtics, thank God. And that was a good game because Celtics were actually number one in the East. So it was one versus two. And we beat them 131 to 125. Went into overtime. And we played that overtime without Giannis. Giannis got hurt with like 30 seconds left to go in the fourth. And I was terrified. But uh, we ended up pulling out in overtime. Uh, bad news. We did, that's you know, thing, that's one thing that I have not seen so much of this year. And maybe it's cause I've watched a little bit less basketball, but I remember last year when I was starting to watch basketball and everything, the overtimes were crazy. I swear I watched just a series, like three games in a row that I watched were all went into overtime. One of them went into like triple overtime 
or something. Like they played an entire like football game length time. I just remember that being such a like like foundation of my love for basketball. I was like, oh my god, basketball is wild. I love watch it. Like there were every other game I watched felt like it was an overtime ending game. I just feel yeah. like I haven't seen as much of that this year. You should have watched this Bucks Celtics game because that's what it was like. And, and maybe it's because like there's just that massive drop off in the East. You go from like the top three teams, like the Bucks, Celtics, and Sixers. Those three teams are literally like neck and neck with each other, and then it just drops. And it's like, come on, like, I want to see, and it's so weird because, like, the Bucks didn't do it the hard way. Like, they didn't build, go out and build a super team. This it was through the draft and great coaching. And so, like, this is the cool thing. Like, I this game was insane. It was a true, like, playoff game in the regular season. And I loved every little bit of it. 131 to 125. So we have bragging rights against the Celtics right now. And we overtook. We are the number one team in the East right now. Um, we'll see how long that lasts without Giannis for three weeks because he is a major factor in the reason we are the number one team in the East. But... I want to speak on a little bit of like what I mentioned, Brooke Lopez. Um, he's our center, and uh, uh, the Bulls, they're fighting for that play-in spot right now, and we ended up pulling it off 112 to 100 to go into the All-Star break. Uh, Brooke Lopez to the rescue, he scored 33 points, um, and he was 4 for 7 from free, uh, free throw line. And the thing is, like people like, Say, oh, the Bucks, all they got is Giannis. We don't have just Giannis. Like, that team is built around Giannis, and the offense runs through Giannis, and that's fine. But people forget about Drew Holiday. People forget about Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez and even Grayson Allen off the bench. People forget about Grayson Allen off the bench. He's a nice little role player. And so, like, I feel like the disrespect of, oh, the reason the Bucks are so good is because of Giannis. Well, yeah, that's probably why we're number one, but it doesn't mean we wouldn't be a three or a four without him. And I think that's what we're... It's the same, it's the same argument you get into with, like, uh, Patrick Mahomes is quarterback. Like, he's the best quarterback ever. Yeah, he's going to win it. Be like, that's great, but Patrick Mahomes can't win an entire football game. He needs a team still. And exactly. Basketball, basketball is slightly different because you arguably could do it all with one guy. Like one guy contributes way more to the totality of a team in basketball than he does in football. But still, same principle applies. You're not going to build an entire like championship winning team with a single good guy. You need at least a couple other really decent supporters for that guy too. Yeah, for sure, man. And, like, that's the thing I just don't get. Like, people really rag on the Bucks when we don't have Giannis. Well, I want you to see you guys rag on us in three weeks when we maintain our number one record, our number one placement in the East. Because I really do. But you actually are not number one right now. The Celtics are. They have one more win than you guys, 42 to 17. You guys are 41 to 17. Okay, well. We will be number one again, but we own the tiebreaker, so that's just because they played one more game than us. So yes. that 
that's a discredit. No, I'm kidding. It, it is actual. Uh, but since we beat them, we are the best team, okay? We are number one team in the East, and we're going to keep being the number one team in the East. We don't need Giannis, except please be back in three weeks, please. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's all I got for the Giannis, but please, We don't need Giannis, <laughs> but please don't go anywhere. Yeah, please don't go. We, I love you. Please. You're my favorite basketball player ever. Um, but this became a Giannis love fest. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, he just, dude, man's incredible. So if Giannis got traded, are you are you still a Bucks guy? Or are you going to trade your fandom to Giannis with me, like Murray? Um, actually, so I was a Bucks fan before Giannis. So I think I got to stick with being a Bucks fan. I was through uh, some terrible times being a Bucks fan until uh, the Bucks dra- uh, drafted Giannis. So I think I'll stay with my allegiance, but I'll definitely love Giannis wherever he goes. I mean, so it's kind of weird because I hate the Packers in the NFL, but I don't really have this real hatred for any team. Uh, I have hatred for players. <coughs> LeBron. Um but, I mean, other than that, I don't really have, like, a hatred for any team in the NBA. So, I guess I would follow him as my second team, if that makes sense. Can you just tell the Kings to stop wasting Keegan Murray's career and trade him to Milwaukee? And then, like, just pair Giannis up with Keegan Murray? It would be great. Then we, then we can watch Bucks games together. We can both be Bucks fans. We can both be. We'll be wearing Bucks gear instead. Of, we'll just turn this from NBA or NFL pos- podcast to a Giannis and Keegan Murray podcast. I like it. I like that idea. But all right. that's all, that's all I got. Yeah, that's that's all the time we got today, guys. So thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe. Reach out to us. Um, uh, do we have anything anything specific? Any comment requests? Ooh. Okay. Would you Would you rather have your favorite NBA player get traded from your favorite team or your favorite NFL player get traded from your favorite team? That's a good question. So, a little basketball versus football here. What what do you what do you side with more? You care more about your football team or more about your basketball team? Okay, so I just had this all time love fest for Giannis, right? But I think Justin Field and my love fest for him could blemish into something perfect in the next coming years. And I don't know if Justin Fields is even my favorite player on Chicago right now, um, but. At this moment, I'd rather the Bears trade away Justin Fields and the Bucks keep Giannis. But it's very, very, very close. Just because the Bucks are so great. Um, it could change. And maybe it's because I'm in the basketball mindset. But uh, what's your perspective on it? Well, as I said, I am a Keegan Murray fan above all else. <laughs> So Keegan Murray gets traded. I don't really have an issue. I'm going to follow Keegan Murray. So I would definitely much rather Murray get traded than any any of the Bears guys get traded. If Fields gets traded, it's going to break my heart. I don't care who we trade him for. I don't care what happens. Like It's going to break my heart. I want Fields to be with the Bears, and I want him to succeed. So everybody, 
Thanks for listening. Uh, comment below. Would you rather your favorite NBA player get traded or your favorite NFL player get traded? Let us know what you think. Oh, and let us know who those players are, too, just so we have a better idea. Avery, sign us off. All right, so I got a couple things here, guys. Ready? Chiefs Kingdom. Super Bowl champs, so I had to say that. Shout out to the Chiefs. Congratulations. Um, and then Fear the Deer. Go Hawks. And don't go Kings. Go Keegan Murray, I guess. Let's go. Oh, and bear down. <laughs>